If you're 60 years old today, there's a good chance you'll live to 100. Are you prepared? Welcome to Your Longest Life, the podcast all about exploring how we can live our best life as we age. Here's your host, Ian Thompson. Hi, and good afternoon. This is Ian Thompson. I am the host of your uh, podcast called Your Longest Life. This podcast is all about the potential of living longer and longer and longer as we seem to, as we head our way to 100 and all the the good things and, you know, the challenges we're going to face along the way. And uh, today I'm super excited about our guest that I have. Her name is Peggy Holt. Peggy, good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Awesome. I'm I'm just going to read your uh, little bio here, okay, and we'll get an idea of who you are. Peggy is the Central Island's only income tax accountant specializing in aging, caregiving, and disabilities. Up until COVID, of course, she was holding regular workshops on caregivers entitled Preparing Financially for a Loss of Independence, providing general information about the financial administrative side of accessing private pay or subsidized care services. Peggy is also available year-round for individual consultations, whether to work through an immediate health care crisis, to provide tax filing strategies for those using Island Health Services, or to assist with applications for the disability tax credit and various benefit programs. Now, you sound like you know what you're doing. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I just wanted to start with, I, I, I noticed an ad you had in a magazine here, and I mentioned just before we started, something I thought really is catching my eye. It's titled Disability Tax Credit and Seniors Care Navigator. And Navigator just seems to be hitting home with me. Just talk a little bit more about that. Um, hello. Well, I've been dealing with uh, helping seniors. I've done tax services at the assisted living, and it's only really become apparent in the last year since I did a, a presentation for Elder College that people want us, we want to be aging in place, and we need help at certain points if we can't manage um, activities of daily living. So um, as we age, uh, I guess another fellow in Nanaimo and Frank Allen said, yes. you know, from 65 to the end of the runway, uh, we've got three sort of years. We've got the go-go years where we're going to retire and sail around in our sailboat and golf every day. <laughs> uh, then there's the uh, slow-go years where all of a sudden, you know, okay, I'm going to ride my cart when I go golfing. Well, maybe <laughs> we're not going to golf quite so much. Um, and then there's the no-go years where we're going to need an awful lot of support um so anyone obviously we all go through this and the very difficult thing is that every family's kind of got to find out that um, looking after an elder person that is losing their independence uh, and needs help with uh, daily living that this is not part of our um, universal health care system and so well, that's the biggest thing for me when we when we chatted earlier that you know, you're dropped into a situation where you're on your own. It's your, no one's helping you figure this out with healthcare, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so with everyone that needs a little help, there's, a, there's the care giver, which would usually be themselves if they're making their own decisions. I, I, I call, for me, a caregiver is not just the one who's providing the physical help. It's the one who's kind of driving the bus, helping to make the decisions and the plans. And, um, you know, all our life we go to the hospital and have our babies. You know, I've been through cancer treatment and I go to the doctor and he organizes all the tests and books all the appointments. And there's, uh, but 
it comes as a real shock to families to find out that when elder care is really not part of our universal health care system, and we can't just say, oh, my mom can't live at home. What are you going to do about it, Island Health? Well, nothing. <laughs> and so um, every family has got to go through the pain of finding out that, A, they're going to have to pay for everything or do it themselves. Right. And, B, there's no, um, as you say, navigation. There's no one-stop shop where someone's going to tell you this is how it works. Basically, mm -hmm. I'm trying to fulfill that void. So. As well, a, seems, that seems like a big void out there. I mean, we're we're going through that a little bit. My dad's in Ontario, so it's different jurisdictions. But my sister's navigating it right now with having meetings with this specialist and that specialist, and mm -hmm. uh, and so your role then is to kind of be that person to say, hey, let's let's start this process now, mm -hmm. and this is what you can expect along the way. Yeah. Well. Um, a lot of people, why would we research something before we need it? And there's a lot of families that end up in a crisis mode, like um, someone's had a fall or a stroke and they end up in the hospital and they haven't done any of the kind of um, learning curve about how this works. So all of a sudden you've got the stress of the situation, but you're just right behind the curveball for mm -hmm. And it's a real shock that all of a sudden, on you know, um, if one spouse goes to care and the fees are going to be in subsidized care, you can pay anywhere from about $1,100 to $3,400, depending on your income. But so when they go into care, all of a sudden we have this new expense, and, but they still have the spouse at home. Right. And their expenses aren't going down. So it's a real shock. So it's really important to understand um, long before you need it both for yourself or for, you know, what, uh, making decisions for your parents, that this should be really part of financial planning while you're still working and able to set aside money. Mm -hmm. What, um, when the crisis does come up, is it, is that's why I guess mistakes are made because you're, you're rushed, you don't really understand. And do you find that with people they are making a quick decision and later regret it kind of, Oh, geez, that isn't really what I thought was going to no. happen. Okay, let's carry on with the example of someone, say, had a, a stroke or somehow ended up in the hospital and they're not coming home. So this is, uh, this is a real crisis. And um, are they going to send you home to your spouse? Mm -hmm. And what do you know about, you know? So because it's not part of our universal health care system, Island Health doesn't owe you a long-term care bed. Um, you know, in the universal healthcare system, say you need a hip replacement or something, um, you can't jump the queue and do it privately because, no, this is part of our system. You're just going to have to wait. Right. Um, but as far as uh, care services for seniors, it's totally up to an individual family. You can do all the work and look after themselves. In fact, most caregiving is done at no cost by family and neighbors. Island Health has some services, but they are done through home and community care, and there's going to be a fee based on your income. And but they don't owe you this. You know, the problem with the long waiting list is not that they have underbuilt, which is a problem. But um, there's a, all you can choose to go privately, even while you're waiting for a long-term care bed. And the main difference is that. Um, no matter what you're paying to Island Health, it's going to be um, subsidized. 
but people need to know that if you need if you want to go the private route because you need it right now even for mm-hmm. several months while you're waiting for a subsidized bed that it's about 65 to 7500 dollars a month for private um, long-term care oh that is huge that is huge mm-hmm. that is huge yeah so for some people that have lots of money, then you know they have this choice. But for most people, they're going to rely on the subsidized services. But it's, they don't really find out about this again until they need it. And then, if you don't do the advanced research, you're going to end up your options are going to be less, and you're going to pay a lot more. So, and that's the kind of work that you can do. Then you can meet with people and say, "These yeah. are the choices that you will have." Yeah, so the, you know, and, and a lot of times people don't like to, oh, I'm never going to long-term care. I'm never going to live to assist living. I'm going to sit in my chair, like my parents. My, uh, we're going to be sitting in these lazy boy chairs until we die and stuff. But um, uh, if the thing is, uh, when I broker conversations with, this is another area that's really helpful to families is, getting people to discuss options. So I can present things as well, but here's how it works from here, right through the you know end of life care, palliative care and beyond. You hear some doors that you may need to open or not, but at least you know how they work. I wanted to ask you a question about, uh, you know, the, the brokering conversations. And this is a, this is a difficult one from personal experience and talking with other people as well that we have, a parent who's 20 years, 25 years older than you are and really isn't interested in having this discussion. They're like, you know, the son and daughter, daughters-in-law, they're all interested, but the person who is ultimately gonna need the work isn't interested. That's where it gets, that's where the conflicts happen. Well, that, well I think um, it's, you know, nobody wants to think about dying, but it is part of life is one thing. Um, but what happens then with families is this wall of worry. Mm-hmm. Um, parents, your parents are looking, you know, they're worried about losing their independence. And on the other side, the adult children are worried about their safety and stuff. So maybe they're asking questions, but they're being interpreted, the, you know, these questions are being interpreted as intrusion. Like, what do you want to know this? You want my yeah. money? You know, there's so, yeah. there's, there's a lot of times when people come or uh, have conversations, it's, you can't come together. So this is why nobody talks about it. And then you end up in a crisis. So um, I like to then work with families. A lot of times it's easier to have a three-way conversation. So here you are, and I want to be part of your team. You know, you're getting to the point where we're, you know, we're going to need more and more support. And you've got a whole team that you can call on. You can call on your family. You've got your family doctor. You've got maybe your financial um, advisor um, for, but they're only, that's just for investments. And really the reason why I'm doing this is I'm the tax accountant because a lot of times everything comes together on the tax return. But regardless, if I can have conversations um, when I do have these consultations that are an hour long with, uh, say, an adult ch- child and their parent, um, you can just see the stress just melting away. And then oh, when I awesome. finish the meeting, I get hugs. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yay. Yeah. Well, that's a nice feeling to have. So well, it's, really, it's, it's been very, very rewarding. And I um, um, helping people is 
great. And I am trying to write a book so that I can get all this information down on paper so I can have my own retirement plan. (laughs) There you go. Well, that's good. Well, there's certainly a certainly a great need. Now, one of the things that, the other things that you do, you mentioned from a tax standpoint, is there's so many uh, rebates and benefits that are available to people that they're not aware of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could you go through some of those, like for seniors? Sure. Um, Well, the disability tax credit is is a very important um, way of improving your cash flow. It's worth about $1,670 per year of income tax savings at the moment. Um, it requires getting, so that it has to do with, um, it's not so much about what your impairment are. Obviously, as we age, we're going to be getting involved with all kinds of different impairments. Could be Parkinson's, COPD, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's coming in. So it's not about having the impairment. It's about the effects of living with the impairment. So um, usually for seniors, I, I get the disability tax credit for um, walking or for mental function, but it could be to do with sight, hearing, speaking, the ability to dress yourself, the ability okay. to prepare yourself a meal, but usually it's walking. And so walking could be caused by a problem with heart disease or um, COPD even could mm-hmm. affect your walking um, arthritis. So if you can't, you either have to be able to qualify, you either can't do this activity of daily living at all, such as walking, or I can, but it takes me an inordinate amount of time, which is defined as someone your age that does not have the same impairment, that you're always at least three times slower at this function. Okay. It requires a doctor's um, certification and then it requires Canada Revenue Agency's approval. So I helped navigate this by, if you're gonna do it, it's easier to do it right the first time than to try to appeal it if you're denied. Because if you, um, you know, if the doctor put in, oh, well, he can't manage his finances, well, then CRA, when they get it, are gonna say, whoa. Um, that's not an activity you can get, you can live and not be able to balance right. your so there's all kinds of ways these can go away. So, and, and then what I'll do is I'll help people. We'll make notes so that even before the form goes to the doctor, I can say, well, let's go through and let's you make some notes about all the examples of how they would qualify for this so that when it goes to the doctor, they have an easy time to pull from that information and speak about the effects of the impairment and not just the diagnosis. And then as a tax accountant, um, we can go right into, with your office signing a form, go right into your account at CRA, and I can monitor the status. And then I can go back and do retroactive adjustments anywhere up to 10 years, depending on how far back this goes. So I've had some quite sizable um, uh, refunds for people. Yeah, that can make a big difference for people, like going that far back. That could be quite a... For instance, I had one fellow at Berwick who... um, found out that somebody else got this. So they asked me yeah. and I was able to go, he had been there 10 years and I got him like over $40,000. Wow. So like, so it, the word gets around. Yeah. So, so this is often not overlooked because a lot of times, unless you have a stroke or some major um, 
uh, issue that changes things. A lot of um, it's such a gradual thing, or I'm not disabled, mm-hmm. but you know, for the purposes of um, tax returns, maybe you ought to want to be. <laughs> so, um, people who are eligible for the disability tax credit, if they're living in assisted living, like any of the private re- um, uh, assisted living places, can also with uh, with that claim up to $10,000 of their monthly fees because that would be like the wage portion of their fees for the food preparers and housekeepers. They give you an annual receipt at the end of the year, but only people who are eligible for the disability tax credit can claim that. Okay. There's a couple other tax things that we might just mention. Uh, well, this would be relevant to you and helping people to downsize. Um, if you're moving and downsizing because of health, so let's just say, um, you know, mobility, rather than mm-hmm. trying to put in Stairmaster, we need to get on a one-level home, then you can actually claim $2,000 of your moving expenses. And the easiest um, receipt that you would get to help claim that would be um, the seller's statement of adjustments that you right. or the lawyer gives them will show what was paid in real estate commissions. So mm-hmm. you just can claim $2,000. So that will save another, you know, over four hundred dollars a year uh, for when you in the year that you move. Um, there's also a new family caregiver amount. This one piggybacks on other uh, credits, um, and there's a caregiver amount. They're finally acknowledging that a lot of the caregiving is done by families, so there is a caregiver tax credit, although it's kind of limited to if, uh, caring for someone with a lower income. And, and it does not require you them living in your home. So who's getting the credit there in that situation? Is it the person receiving it or the person giving it? The, the person giving the care. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and the disability tax credit is transferable to a family member. If it first goes on the person who has the disability and if, the, if it doesn't create any tax savings, it can automatically be claimed by a spouse but it could also be claimed by adult children who, um, but in order f- for that, you have to sort of show that you, they rely on you financially mm-hmm. on a regular basis for any of the basic necessities of life, which is food, clothing, or shelter. So if they're living with you in your home, then you would be eligible to claim it. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you are paying say helping to pay the rent uh, at Lakeside Gardens or something like the, um, but you have to be able to substantiate that they are your financial dependent and that you pay regularly for any of food, clothing or shelter. A lot of stuff, boring. (laughs) I'm a boring accountant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I mean, lots of times the the good, the good in a, in a situation is in those details, isn't it? Like the devils in the details where the saying comes from, but there's a lot of things that get overlooked. Let's switch over to uh, talk about the cost analysis of home support versus assisted living, you know, VHA versus private and how you help, how you help people navigate that. Yeah. Um, so like plan A is we want to put as many supports to make living at home safe, happy, healthy. So there's all kind of, we can get what's called home support. So someone that could help you, come into your home and help you with uh, personal care, such as like bathing is a big issue if people can't, mm-hmm. you know, safely get into the bathtub or whatever. Um, so 
again, you have choices. You can do, you can help them yourself. There is subsidized services from Island Health, which they say is meant to complement and supplement what you are doing yourself. So um, this is, what does it cost? It's a, it's a daily rate based on your family income. So if it's a couple living together, they're looking at their tax returns. That's again, why I'm sort of involved in all this. Um, And if it's just a single person, it'll be based on theirs. It's a daily rate. So whether a nurse has to come just for half an hour to help give medications because they can't do it safely themselves or whether they come morning to get you up and dressed and clean and breakfast and put and then come back and put you to bed. It's a daily rate. And it again, just depends on your income. Um, although some people think, you know, a very low income might think that they can't afford home support, but uh, actually Island Health, if anyone that any senior that's on guaranteed income supplement is actually eligible and they're quite surprised that for, I used to call it free home support. Free to me means I don't pay for it, but it's called fully subsidized because this is a a service outside of our medical care, but you won't actually have to pay the fees. These will be subsidized by um, home and community care. The other option is there's a lot of, you can hire your own caregiver. there's lots of people that have little small businesses where they'll come and be, you know, your caregiver and only, and then um, they would be paid an hourly rate, whether you go through an individual or maybe hire one of the um, care companies like Bayshore Health or We Care right. or any of these, and they will have a different hourly rate for depending on the level of um, care that you need. If it's just uh, companionship or, you know, respite care or whatever. Um, so um, obviously, and the, the the cost is one thing that when it's an hourly rate versus right. a daily rate. Uh, the uh, downside of Island Health Home Support is you get you don't have any control over who comes to your house, when they come, if they mm-hmm. come. So say mm-hmm. a couple. Um, you know, that say a spouse is looking after another one that has dementia and they want to be able to go out and get shopping done or errands or book appointments. Well, you can't, you don't know if they're going to come at 11 or two or whatever sometimes. So it can be very frustrating. Also with uh, people that have cognitive in, uh, impairments. So anyone that's got looking after a spouse at home that has mm-hmm. dementia, it's very, um, unsettling having different people all the time yeah. so if you went if you used a private company they would send people and you would have the ability to say like don't ever send that sally person again okay um but they would then try to find someone that works well with you because they're going to become part of your family if they're there coming daily or whatever so um but then you have a choice of saying i i want them you can are in control of when do they come. I want someone here on at nine o'clock every day on weeks, and I want Thursday afternoon from three to seven so I can go out and play bridge. Um, so that is home support. Part of home support is respite care. It's really important because it's not just the person that requires the care. Um, family caregivers. It's a big. Um, mm-hmm. It's a big job a long job um, 
And it's important. It's the it's just as much about the caregiver as the person requiring care. It's important, you know, to learn how to make boundaries and but to get be able to get away from things for time. So it's possible to get uh, one 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 nice uh, respite care is the adult day care program that Island Health puts on, where um, a person with a cognitive impairment can go and spend the day, they get a, a meal, then there's activities. There's even community bathing that can happen at the same time there. And that gives the um, caregiver a break to go and do things yeah. that they want or need to do. Um, or even just, I, I just need a whole week break. I just want a break. Yeah. So, you know, some yeah. people will have a daughter come and stay with dad while you get away. Or, um, But there is... Um, the ability to have a week arrange for a week where they, they go on, you're going to go on your little cruise and they're going to go to the, have a little holiday at the Piercy mm-hmm. hotel in Victoria, or I'm sure there's going to be more places here in Nanaimo where we can have a break. So that's sort of uh, supporting uh, families that are having caregiving in the home situation. Now these costs that you talked about for private, let's say I do hire we care, home health or whoever it is, is that, is that a tax deduction? The fact definitely, that I- definitely, definitely. You can, you can claim um, any, even if you paid someone to come as a companion and sit, you know, any wages that you pay for help, um, you can claim that as a, you can claim up to $10,000 worth of care in the home and the disability touch credit. If you're paying more, than $10,000, then you would no longer be able to claim the disability tax credit. But it, you know, it, it's quite substantial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see how it would be. Let's talk um, about then other options, oh, yeah, I'm just saying then, this is, so whatever, and there's all kinds of private businesses that can help you stay at home easier. Especially when men are looking after, say, a spouse with an impairment, what about shopping and cooking and whatever? So mm-hmm. whatever, whatever needs to be done, there's a, a lovely business that will do it for you. Um, you know, the, the grocery stores are getting much better at um, doing delivery services and even personal shopping now. I guess COVID maybe is going to help change that yeah. forever, that people are going to use um, um, grocery delivery uh, services. Um, even with your downsizing. So uh, if you have some, you know, an older couple that want to move out, sell their home and then either go to assisted living or mm-hmm. to a new place, there's a great little company called Delaney Relocations where they will come and you just sit in your couch and you can direct them and just say, well, that's going to the bedroom and that's going to go in the living mm-hmm. room and that can go to the cellar and that can go straight to the trash and you just sit there and direct them. It's amazing, even, isn't it? No. So, um, as I say, yeah. um, so a lot of these um, private businesses, I belong to an association called the Nanaimo Senior Services Network. And we are um, basically anyone who has a business that uh, is servicing the senior market. Um, so, all the marketing managers from the various uh, assisted living places mm-hmm. are belong, things like Lifeline, um, pharmacists, whatever. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of people that you need on your team, but so, you know, we're all well connected and work well together and, and, you know, recommend 
things to, uh, you know, onward to our own clients. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, involuntary separations. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think we've, an involuntary separation is what, it just happens. It's not something you apply for. Um, if one spouse has to go to into long-term care, requires full-time care and moves into a, a, a care facility, then I'll, then now we're having to maintain two households. So you're considered to be involuntarily separated. So it's not a breakdown of the marriage. It's just for medical you know, mm. health reasons that you're not living together. Um, how this affects things. Well, we never talked about what the cost of long-term care is. Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. We yeah. sort, yeah. sort of did. <laughs> Privately, you're going to pay yes. um, uh, 65 to $7,500 a month. And through Island Health, what? How did? What is the cost? As I said, it's anywhere eleven hundred to thirty-four hundred dollars. But it's basically they want to see your last, most recently assessed tax return, and they're going to look at your net income and the taxes that you actually ended up paying, and they're going to take eighty percent of that. So that's um, I, I call it a tax. The case managers don't like me calling it a tax, but I figure if someone takes eighty percent of 80%. my income. That's a t- you know a tax. Um, now, for some people, excuse me, for some people that doesn't leave very much. Like if I'm if I'm staying at an assisted living place and they're taking eighty percent, that's hardly like you still have to buy some of your own day to day things, right? Yeah. Um, so it's not eighty percent of the family income. So whoever moves into a care facility, they're only going to base it on their tax return alone. Back when we were both living together, family income was combined because we are living in the same house. So now Island Health will look at everybody separately. So 80% of whatever's on that tax person on their account. So right now we're in 2020 and anyone that's been in care for a few years now, it's all still based on 2018 tax return. They're not even gonna look at the one we filed last spring Mm -hmm. until um, November. So um, it's really important when you're filing a tax return, if you can anticipate long-term care being involved, the whole goal of, of filing tax returns is to get as much income off of the person going into care. Because if I can remove um, $10,000 mm-hmm. of their um, income onto a spouse, say through like pension splitting, then I'm gonna, my fees will be $8,000 less. So you can't just rely on um, TurboTax or even most accountants don't think about um, or tax preparers think about it. All they're trying, they're all geared towards getting the best combined tax savings. But, you know, you might get saved $500 tax, but then end up paying you know, to $8,000 more in care. It just doesn't make sense. So it's really important to kind of understand this kind of financial administrative stuff long before mm. we get to that point. Um, yeah, but as far as an involuntary separation, then we leave the one spouse in the house still with all the same expenses pretty well, maybe a little bit less food. Um, this can cause a lot of hardship. So that it is possible to arrange a rate reduction if it's causing um, financial, real, you know, extreme financial hardship. But they're going to want to see, you know, how much you have in your RSPs, and you know, you can't have any 
but there are a lot of people in this situation where they they just can't swing it and they we can actually probably get their fees down in you know maybe eight hundred dollars a month instead of the minimum eleven hundred dollars but you have to you know disclose all kinds of information about how this is going to cause makes sense issues mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so um it's a long process isn't it sounds oh, like yeah you know it's sort of like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time and so well, i think the thing is what i you know is in that what i try to do is every family's got to go out there you know the adult children are googling out in the world what what's out there <laughs> they don't even know the questions to ask so i like to try what i'm trying to do is bring the world to you you tell me where you're at and i can say identify all the things that we it would apply to you and not even mention things that you don't and um then my business plan as an accountant then is I'm not really not so much interested in preparing your tax returns as looking at the previously filed one and telling you how maybe mm. you could be doing it differently and then directing them and even working with their own accountant. Um, I can then work even with the broker. Like why would, you know, something like if you are in long-term care, why are you taking all this money out of your RIF when you don't have to, you know, you always want to take minimum out of your riff or just mm -hmm. cut it right back because why would you I had one lady by the time she had come to me they had exhausted all of her RSP mm. a riff money she was paying um, so my business plan then is I'll, I'll give you answers to every question that you may have about what's ahead from here to the end of the runway um, my what I'd like to do is identify how I can help you increase your cash flow. So there's the three areas. One is the income tax, help you get the disability tax credit and go back and maybe get refunds from that. What credits, what, what are eligible medical expenses? So that's one area to get, you know, increase your cash flow by getting a um, paying less income tax. The other, you know, with the healthcare planning, especially when it's at 80% of your income for long-term care or 70% of your income for subsidized assisted living, then I can say, here's how, what we want to do. Why would you have all this investment income and you're not using a tax-free account? That's the easiest way to get money off. Um, and there's a third area, which we haven't even mentioned about, is um, there's all these other standalone programs um, that have people that have money for you. But they're just sitting, you know, um, people will often say to me, like, well, why didn't they tell me? Well, <laughs> um, you know, you mean like, you're, you're referring to government grants or government? Oh, no, government institutions. See, like, I'm not paid to care. <laughs> no, um, say, um, I get a lot of referrals from the case managers at Island Health for okay. long-term care. And so, you know, before they met me, they would say, oh, you should be getting the guaranteed income supplement. Oh, 85-year-old lady, why don't you go down to service camp and apply? Or even try to get through on the phones. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, Service Canada looks after the GIS. Then there's, um, anyway, there's all these other little programs. So if you have mobility issues or um, cognitive impairments, I can help people get a 25% um, disability discount with ICBC and um, get some of the gas tax money back. 
um, up until now, I was help. Oh, I can still help get people retroactive um, MSP premiums if they were paying them and they didn't need to be. We can go back six years and get a lot of the premiums that we're paying up until I guess last year. <laughs> um, the BC Ferries has a, pa a pass where if someone requires an attendant, then the attendant, uh, then the person and the attendant go for half price. Right. Um, Air Canada and WestJet have programs where if people can't travel on their own, you know, if you have a, someone with a, a cognitive impairment that can't follow a stewardess in the case of an emergency and requires an attendant, then, you know, by... Um, signing up and having a doctor fill in a form before they f book their flight, then maybe the attendant goes either for free or just for taxes only. So there's just this whole world out there mm -hmm. that it, um, there's just so much being missed because people aren't aware or they don't have the research skills or the administrative skills to access them. So, um, or they're overwhelmed or they're overwhelmed. I mean, that's to me, that seems like what happens. You just like, wow, this is, yeah, this is too yeah. much. So basically, I just want to be part of people's team. You know, if we need, if it takes, what do they say? Um, if it takes a village to raise a child, it'll take an army to <laughs> to um, raise a senior. So good for you. You know, yeah. um, just get a team together. Get your family support by having opening the conversations. Um, follow through this advanced care planning um, where make sure your documents are there. The number of people that don't have wills and power of attorneys or health right. representations, it makes it really hard for families if we don't have those in place. So those are almost the first things people should be dealing with. And um, it's, a, it's a big, big, big. It is one. a big thing. But, but, but the service, the service, I think the service you're providing is going to explode because if everybody's going to live longer and longer, there's just going to be more need yeah for what you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the average person now, uh, I'm here, I am a, I'm a baby boomer. I am right. a senior. Uh, my baby brother just turned 65 last month. Uh, mm -hmm. And we still have a 91 year old mother. So back when they invented, you know, freedom 55, you know, people, you know, you could retire because your parent you were looking after was gone at age 75. And then so yeah. you have all this lovely time to um, but 23 years of financing life after 65, it's a big important area and really deserves a lot more attention before you hit 65, that's for sure. Um, and the baby boomers are just going to, I mean, I was in a portable at school, so I figure by the time I need long-term care, I'm going to be in a portable again. So, um, no, it's, uh, it's, uh. Pretty scary. And then here on Vancouver Island, um, yeah. our senior population, like BC has seven of the 10 oldest communities in Canada by percentage of the population. And four of those are on Vancouver Island. Oh. And it's going to be very interesting. I think COVID has brought a lot of attention to um, the situation mm -hmm. that we have with long-term care. Um, what actually happens. I think they might look at other provinces about how they're doing it, but it's, um, we definitely need to um, pay some attention here. And I think there will be some good things coming out of this as far as looking at the situation here. Good. I don't care, but yeah. Well, 
Peggy, that was amazing. What's the best way to get a hold of you now? If we, people listen to this. Um, and, well, right? I have um, all my contact information is on my website. It's just PeggyHolt.com, but it's Holt is spelt H-O-U-L-T. So it's Peggy Holt, H-O-U-L-T.com. And um, um, you can email me. It's info at PeggyHolt.com. Um, uh, prior to COVID, I was putting on these workshops, which is a, was a great way to really just um, get maybe 15, 20 people together and say, here's, here's, here's how it works. And, and I might try to do some startup doing some web things, but um, I'll have to update that. Anyway. That's uh, great. Well, thank you, Peggy. It's been great having you on the show today. Your information has been <laughs> invaluable. And I know we're all headed that way. So the more we figure it out, the better. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Longest Life with Ian Thompson. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and share it with others. For more info, articles, and to get in touch with Ian, visit yourlongestlife.com.